Hey everyone and welcome to Developer Tea. My name is Jonathan Cottrell, I'm your host, and today I continue my interview with Ryan Stout. Ryan is the creator of the Volt Framework. Uh, if you haven't listened to the first part of the interview, it's probably worth going back and listening to. Uh, Ryan talks about the framework itself and how it's made. Um, Volt is basically a web framework that allows you to write Ruby once, and that Ruby uh, translates into both front-end and back-end code for your web application. It's, it takes care of the front-end MVC stuff as well as the back-end. So if you haven't listened to that first part, make sure you go back and listen to it. I hope you enjoy the second part of the interview with Ryan Stout. So another thing that's, that is kind of baked into Volt that I'd like to hear a little bit of your thinking on it and why you decided to do it this way is the persistent connection. So mm-hmm. I know like a lot of people don't have a full understanding of this, and I would say I'm actually included in that group, of uh, all of the benefits that come along with persistent connection in terms of like a lot of people say, well, it's about performance. And some people say, no, it's about like clarity of data transfer or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so why did you choose to go with like the socket connection mm-hmm. uh, model? Yes, yeah, so there's there's a couple reasons for it. Um, just one one thing to keep in mind too is that if you're not using uh, Vault, provides you you know these different places you can persist your data, um, and so one of those is the store. We call it the store, which is basically syncs back to your database and syncs to other clients based on some rules you set up. So if you, only if you're using the store does it actually set up that persistent connection. And that's MongoDB, um, right? Uh, the database Currently? at the at the moment, yeah, is MongoDB. We're, we're we have plans to build sort of a we're calling it a data provider API to let you uh, let other people or myself add any sort of database that they want. Uh, but yeah, at the moment we're using Mongo for a couple of reasons. Sure. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> yeah. So the the interesting thing with the WebSocket connections. Um, you know, it, one thing it gives you kind of real time updates. I, I think that's nice, but I actually don't think that's something that that many people need. Um, for us, it's it is partly a performance thing. So you, when you already have that connection, um, uh, so when you're doing any sort of data transfer, um, you know, uh, TCP has these window sizes, and it basically gets faster the the more data you send through it. Um, and so, with things like Keep Alive, it's not a huge issue. Uh, anymore, but but there is there is a little bit of performance in in having that TCP connection always open. Um, it also, I guess, the other thing too is the push side of it. So we can actually, um, you know, have it where someone drops the connection and it kind of waits around, and then when they reconnect, things kind of sync back up. Um, and that's something we could do over you know um, AJAX or XHR or something like that. Um, but it actually it's it, there's it's nice because then, um, you know, we can go and, and send those changes out and then everyone is kind of working, always working with up to date versions of the, of the models, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. So, and, and I think the the other thing too, is that, um, there's, there might be a little bit of sort of a perceived performance hit by keeping a socket connection open. Um, but it's actually really nice nowadays. You have, you have things like, Nginx has built-in WebSocket support, so it can kind of keep 
you know, do all the heavy lifting for you. And it, you know, there's actually not much of a performance penalty nowadays to it, uh, to keep that connection open all the time. Yeah. I mean, I would imagine that people are, that people are trying to optimize this because mm. it's, it's not going anywhere, anywhere, anytime soon. It's probably yeah. only going to continue to grow. Yeah. It, it's also nice. Um, you know, I've done quite a few projects in the past where, we'd end up using uh, something like pusher and and it's surprising how many projects nowadays you need you end up needing some sort of push from the server um it may not be that you necessarily need real time but there's a lot of things where okay i'm uploading a file i need to you know after i've processed it i need to tell something that's done right and things mm-hmm. just become a, a lot simpler when you're not dealing with things like uh you know XHR timeouts and things like that, yeah, you know, yeah. um, polling you can, or whatever. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so kind of having that as a, as a base feature, I think really opens up a lot of doors. Yeah, I agree. I agree. This is awesome. I, I, I'm really excited about, uh, this direction because so another thing about Volt is that basically out of the box, it's, it's ready for like, and partially because of this persistent connection, it's ready for high input output. And that's also partially due to the document store kind of model, right? Mm. So you've got like fast inputs, fast outputs. It makes it, uh, it makes it ready for, um, high interaction, like kind of shallow interaction to where your app isn't doing a ton of processing, but very quickly it, you know, you can have a bunch of messages passing through the app. Mm hmm. So that's that's exciting, and I I think that we um, people in the Ruby land have been kind of plagued with uh, systems that are not so much optimized for that. Um, and I just I, I'm looking forward to the things that are going to be built and the conversations that are actually just naturally going to happen because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think having, um, you, you know, it's interesting. There's kind of a couple schools of thought on framework design. And, you know, I, I think of it as kind of the micro framework versus batteries included. Uh, and I would definitely say Volt is not, uh, you know, we don't want to be sort of perceived as like the monolithic framework, right? But I think we do err more on the side of batteries included. And I think especially for the core web framework, you get some really interesting things where, once you have these features standardized into the framework, people can build other things on top of them. So, for example, we're baking um, we're baking authentication into the framework, and it's one of those. Yes, not every project needs authentication, but the majority of them do. Yep. And so, once we have authentication in the framework itself, everyone, um, all of these extra plugins, or we call them components, can be built assuming the authentication. And so I think I think we're going to see hopefully a pretty good ecosystem around these reusable components that we have where you can go and say okay I want image upload for the user, you know, and then it automatically ties in. And Rails kind of did that with some conventions, but um having that actually standardized in the framework I think makes it even easier. I agree entirely actually. There's there's uh the the Ruby community has adopted the idea of gems, of course, because I mean it's natural that 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 plug-in ability of gems is is a powerful feature of of Ruby. But sometimes it ends up being like, 
well, I, I've got 100 authentication gems to choose from, and mm-hmm. I, I have this stack of dependencies where if I'm using this authentication gem, then that narrows the other gems that have authentication that makes sense with that or that is compatible with that gem. Mm-hmm. You know, and it just becomes kind of, uh, kind of uh, what's the word I'm looking for, convoluted. Right. So, and, and as a gem maintainer, it becomes really hard to, you know, you have to support all of those or you ideally want to support all of those. Um, and it, you know, becomes a pretty difficult thing to. And then to everybody's writing them. alias methods for, you know, right. authorization. And it's like, gosh, man, I just yeah. wish, you know, if it was, if it's authenticated through Rails and it's just, you know, current user, period, and everybody yeah. uses that, you know? Yeah. And, and they've sort of settled on that. Um, but it took a long time, and I'd say it was almost a little painful in the early days. Um, and so we're we're hoping that sort of, you know, picking some of the things that ninety percent of projects need and and baking them in, or baking them in at least as a officially sanctioned gem, you know, um, will will help with that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Ryan, I am uh, I'm running out of time here, so okay. I appreciate your time so much, and uh, I, I appreciate the work you're doing on Volt. Uh, is there anything else that you want to kind of share with? Oh, I, I, I do need to ask you. So, if you had uh, just thirty seconds to provide some kind of advice to both seasoned and brand new developers who are just getting into this field, uh, what would you tell them? That's that's a good question. Um, I guess I would say. You know, as developers, we we have a lot of things we try to prioritize. Um, at least for me, in the last few years, I've really realized how important readability in code is. Um, and you know, it's something that there's sort of always a trade-off. But it seems like, at least for me, that the project where I've really traded off on readability ha- have been, has kind of come back to bite me. So I guess I would say, um, you know, always be thinking about readability, especially in a project where you're not going to be the only one working on it, I guess. Yeah, that's great. I actually uh, recently talked on the show about um, about the hardest parts of computer science, and somebody mm-hmm. uh, somebody mentioned it really should have been called the hardest part of programming, but uh, yeah. in any case, uh, one of them is naming things, right? Right, yep. so, yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's great advice, Ryan. I, I appreciate your time, and um, and if you if anybody's interested in Volt, I guess the best place for them to start would be uh, those office hours and, and the and the GitHub repo or... Yeah, and we also have... Um, you can go to vaultframework.com. We have kind of links to docs and, and links to everything from there. Um, but yeah, I'm always on Gitter if anyone has any questions getting started. Um, yeah, and then we're doing office hours tomorrow from, uh, I think, 4 to 6 uh, Eastern time. So every Friday. So Perfect. Thanks so much, Ryan. Yeah, thanks for having me. And thank you so much for listening to the show. Uh, You are the reason this show is created. uh, So the fact that you are here and listening to it, uh, I couldn't be more appreciative of. If you are enjoying the show, please take just a few minutes and drop into iTunes and leave us a review and a rating. It really is a personal favor to me, but it also uh, helps other people just like you, other developers, find Developer T. You can always get in touch with me on Twitter at at Developer T, or you can email me at developert at gmail.com. You can also find the show at developert.com, and in the nav at the very top of the site, there's a contact link uh, where you can fill out a form, and that comes directly to me as well. 
As always, until next time, enjoy your tea.